On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. One of Dublin's most controversial buildings. Controversial is, is an interesting word, but it's probably true. The old Central Bank on Dame Street has returned. It is now Central Plaza. Uh, the initial building was the work of Sam Stevenson, who was a talented but fairly divisive architect who did reshape a large amount of the city of Dublin. Um, bankers, skateboarders and others have congregated around uh, Central Plaza, Central Bank in recent times. But as the plaza finally reveals itself again after years of being behind some concrete or plywood hoardings, is it time to re-examine the building and its architect? Well, uh, Donald Fallon has been brushing off his his black clothes and skateboarding uh, chic to, to come back and, and tell us all about this. That was the hangout once upon a time. That's that's where you could find all of Dublin's black clothes all in one place around Central Bank and skateboarding uh, types around there. Um, the story of, of uh, Sam Stevenson is wrapped up in a much bigger story of a city that was really changing during his time. Totally. And at the very beginning of the destruction of Dublin, which is a great landmark text by, uh, by Frank MacDonald, former environmental editor of the Irish Times, uh, he wrote this overview of the city with kind of special focus on on development in the 1970s. And Frank found this great quote and observation from a foreign publication which said, the only reason why Dublin remained for so long the beautiful 18th century city the English built was the Irish were too poor to pull it down. This, unfortunately, is no longer the case. Wow. <laughs> so it, now, it was beautiful because we couldn't afford to replace it. Was in that? the 70s, we were building and we were building plenty. And actually, funnily enough, our, our protagonist today, Sam Stevenson uh, and Frank MacDonald, actually became quite good friends. You know, So there's, mm. there's hope for us all, like a civil war uh, peacemaking. <laughs> but certainly, you know, the appearance of Dublin was radically transformed uh, in the 70s. And no architect is more important to that story than Sam Stevenson. So we're finally seeing the central bank again. It, you know, it was behind hoardings for so long. And then you look at it and initially you're like, well, what's changed? But yeah. on, on closer inspection, quite a lot has. Yeah, and undoubtedly, look, Stevenson, one of the most significant modern architects to work in this city. Uh, and it strikes me that we we very rarely talk about his buildings themselves. You know, we always talk about them in the context of where they were built, often in kind of, as we'll hear today, mm. deeply contentious and, and controversial sites. Yeah, if you talk about the site and not, not the edifice itself, and maybe we'll, we'll try and address that in a couple of minutes. Um, there are a few architects who have been as connected to a city maybe by family history as Sam Stevenson was, which is something that might surprise people who are only finding out about him in slots like this. Yeah, that's what some like, people talk about Sam Stevenson as, as the architect who destroyed Dublin. But Stevenson was so rooted in, in, in Dublin. His father, uh, Paddy Stevenson, Paddy Joe Stevenson, was a veteran of the 1916 Rising, kind of curiously uh, a founding member of the tiny Communist Party, oh. <laughs> later the city librarian, member of the old Dublin society. You know, someone that was involved in the Irish Revolution then was involved in kind of Dublin history. And I think really influence of his dad and you know his own work and research a young Sam Stevenson had this great awareness of kind of Dublin's architectural past uh, and heritage so there's a great early newspaper profile often when he's just coming up you know as a young man and they say Stevenson loves the city in which he was born and reared and decided to move his architectural firm into the Liberties that's the 1970s Liberties yeah. so he was someone who was kind of you know very very conscious mm. uh, of the city of Dublin Did he build a big brutalist glassy expanse <laughs> though in the Liberties to house his firm that, that's the question um, When people do think of architects and Dublin one of the names that they will think of is James Gandon, the creator of Custom House and everything else. And you could argue that Stevenson was maybe a bit obsessed in Gandon or with Gandon, who was controversial in his own way as well. Yeah, and I think he, he loved the fact that Gandon in the 18th century had been a great controversial figure, you know, that people didn't like what he was building. And people might challenge what I'm building, perhaps he felt. But 
mm. you know, maybe they'll look back the same way. So he kind of waxes lyrical about James Gandon in, in, in these interviews. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a great line. He says that, I don't think there's ever been a public building of value in Dublin that there hasn't been trouble about. In other words, this has been going on long before me. But it's a lovely journalist profile of him in the 70s that's worth reading. Sam Stevenson, the man who has designed Dublin's most ambitious building for centuries, the civic offices, enters a room so unobtrusively you scarcely notice him. Small, slight, with a mop of dark hair and a beard, he talks almost dividendly about the £4 million scheme for which the Minister of Local Government last week gave the go-ahead. So dividendly that even his remark to me that this is the biggest opportunity given to an architect since Gandon designed the Custom House lacked any apparent egotism. But he does have that feeling that he's following in the footsteps, if you will, of Gandon and those who came before him. This is the biggest opportunity given to an architect since Gandon designed the Custom House. (laughs) The well, civic offices. Well, I walked by them earlier on today. Yeah, I, I walked by them yesterday, and we sort of I, we might come come back to how controversial they were because there are parts of it that sort of seem maybe charmless, but may, maybe I'm sort of prejudging it. Um, it is one of something of of a big three, like sort of the hat trick of landmark Stevenson buildings. Yeah, and I kind I kind of feel from because the, the civic offices are done in two parts, you know, and only one part of it is is his work, what we kind of know now in Dublin as the bunkers. You know, that's the work okay. of Stevenson. But there's the ESB offices of Fitzwilliam Street, ah. uh, Woodkey, mm. and then the Dame Street Central Bank. Wow. And there were there, there, that, that's that's quite the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's quite the <laughs> Hall of Fame. But these buildings, what's so weird about them is that over the, the late 20th century, when they'd be, you know, the Irish Times did it a few times, asking people, what's your favourite Dublin building? What's your least favourite bi- Dublin building? Some of these buildings actually chart in both bolts. Yeah, you know? yeah so fair enough. The Central Bank is both a loved uh, and yeah. hated building in yeah, Dublin. Yeah, Wood, Woodkey is, is a building that people maybe like the building, but they hate the circumstances that, under which it came to be. And then, it. of course, ESB and Fitzwilliam Street and the destruction of Georgian Dublin to, to build them. And now the fact that they've yeah. floored it and are rebuilding it again is faux Georgian. Yeah. So it's extraordinary that something could make, you know, could, could chart in the top 10 of two of those lists. And then there's other buildings that we rarely hear about the Bordnamona headquarters on Packet Street, uh, the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. I love that building. That's up in, in, in Balls Bridge. But yeah, it's the big tree. As you mentioned, they're, they're controversial projects, and his name is really synonymous with them. And mm. look, the ESB offices—I mean, that was a massive public scandal. Mm. Uh, there was there was already a kind of brewing tension in the city between kind of conservationists and and, and developers. Uh, and this point that Stevenson made, 1963. Uh, when tenements collapse in Dublin, old Georgian houses. He says, look, these houses were never supposed to last more than a lifetime. And he has this feeling that the Georgian past in Dublin, uh, you know, perhaps it was it was, it was was time to move on. So the, the conservationists, he said, they should stop bleating on about all of Georgian Dublin being preserved for posterity. Posterity might not want us. <laughs> <laughs> wow, posterity. Well, that's, well, that's, it's a way of thinking about it, I suppose. And if you think of just the utility of buildings, if they weren't supposed to survive for as long as they've become to be to be part of the trade mark, then maybe he had some thought. Um, there was also a much broader movement of um, questioning these buildings that he was throwing up around the city. And there were even some some people in Leinster House who were casting a, an acerbic eye over what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, in, in, there's a lot of debate going on around Georgian buildings in the 60s and the 70s in Dublin. Uh, they tear down two Georgian houses on Kildare Place, which is right there beside the doll. Mm. Uh, and one government TD comes out and says, I was glad to see them go. They represented everything I hate. I mean, how could buildings represent everything I hate? But this idea that these were a kind of, you know, foreign... Uh, colonial architectural legacy that it didn't really mean anything to us. Mm. Stevenson's take was much more intellectual than that. He wasn't really in that camp. He did have a respect for the Georgian age. He had an understanding of it. It was an Irish chapter. But he just felt, I think, the city couldn't be frozen in time. And that's what it's all Mm. about for him. And I think the tragedy now of Fitzwilliam Street, where the ESP offices were built, is that whatever you think, 
you know, about the Georgian houses. Could they stay or go? Could mm. they stand forever? The ESP offices that replaced them were actually gone too. Yeah. You know? They lasted just a few, uh, they, just a few decades. That, that I think is what, what makes it so difficult for some people because it seems like almost an admission that he got it wrong. That if you're now going back and you're building another ESB headquarters and it's got this faux Georgian exterior... <laughs> that it maybe it's an admission that they got it wrong when they did build the, the brutalist place for a couple of decades in between. Um, the central bank had its own controversies, but as you might think when you look at the skyline of Dublin, the, the big issue there was not necessarily with its design, but rather just how tall it yeah, was. Yeah, it's bold in scale and, you know, it was a time of great transformation all around. If you walk around the central bank now, you know, behind it, of course, you have Temple Bar. That was basically a decaying warren of warehouses and factories that was being reborn at the same time. Uh, but there was a lot of controversy, I suppose, around the central bank in terms of how, how tall it was. Uh, and it emerged that the building was, you know, seemingly some 30 feet higher than was actually permitted by the planning authority. <laughs> right. And when that led to an inquiry, Stevenson had this great line, you know, he basically says planning permission was, quote, merely a license to develop an architectural concept. Therefore, if the height of the central bank has been increased, this was the unavoidable outcome of a creative design process. In other words, ah, planning permission is something that applies broadly in theory. <laughs> Which is sure is not the way that the planning regulators uh, thought no, it of certainly it. isn't. Uh, how do architects, this uh, genuinely a question for which I'm curious, how do architects appraise the, the central bank building now? Yeah, so we have a brilliant online resource called Buildings of Ireland, a fantastic resource, National Inventory of, kind of Architectural oh, uh, Significance. Okay. And they describe it in a way that I think gives a great sense of how innovative it was in construction. So if anyone's walking by it later on today, uh, it, it's worth keeping this in mind. They just say that the central bank, with its dramatic outline and emphatic roof line, is one of the most prominent buildings in the city. Controversial at the time of its construction, now regarded as a landmark. Its construction was technically innovative, attesting to the level of skill in civil engineering and design in the latter half of the century. I find this really interesting. The two reinforced concrete service cores were cast using mechanically raised shuttering. These carried the roof structure from which the floors are hung. The floors were fully assembled at ground level and then hoisted into place, wow. which is extraordinary. So the way it went up, like yeah. bit by bit, it was just an extraordinary thing to watch this building come together. But just even so, to imagine it being built almost from the top down rather yeah. than from, from the bottom up just seems just remarkable. And another thing, that I must actually have a proper gawk of the building next time I'm passing it by. Um, Stephen then himself uh, measured, me- mellowed somewhat in his older years. Definitely. And, you know, he, he, he later said, I used to be an apostle of modern architecture, but I've given up that religion completely. And I'm now an atheist, which is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and I think wow. what is undeniable is that, look, modern architecture has its place in, in any city. And, uh, you know, people are becoming more and more interested, I think, in, in, in 20th century architecture. RT have been running that great series of articles uh, by Emma Galise on, on 20th century architecture. And I think, like, these buildings, yeah, they remind us how layered cities are, you know, with the passing of time. Something inevitably always stands in the, fr- the footprint of something else and there'll always be questions over whether that's right yeah. uh, or wrong. But look, no matter what we think, Stevenson, he remains one of the most fascinating architects to work yeah. in the city. The big question is, are the skateboarders going to come back? <laughs> well, if, if anything, Krispy Kreme will be the thing to bring them back. It will be interesting to see, genuinely, because it was such a place that there'll probably be some people now listening to this who will wonder, what are you on about with the skateboarders? For people People of a certain generation that that uh, that Donal and I just just about overlap. That was that that plaza there was skateboarder central. If you're talking about the early noughties, all yeah. of the like the new metal stained types, every like Kalosh de Serra reunion that was happening <laughs> a couple of weeks after you'd been to Kalosh de Lurgan or everyone else, it was all around there, and it was a huge yeah. just part of of people's teenage years. And it will be fascinating to see. There, there wasn't an awful American imported subculture that didn't gather at the central bank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, Donald <laughs> Fallon is the author of the Community Books and of Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia. He's also the presenter of 
the Three Castles Burning podcast about Dublin history, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. It all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.